0: BLOB TALK RADIO
1: My microphone here. Okay, May 1st, 2003, um, President Bush declares that the war in Iraq is over. He declares that all major military actions are over with, and supposedly everything is in a great state of peace. Uh, despite the fact that the average Iraqi citizen had no drinking water or electricity for millions, uh, the civilian death toll so far has been well over 600,000 people. On January 20th, 2003, uh, the president basically put together NSD-24. This gave Pentagon the control of the, the Pentagon the control over what was going on in Iraq. The plan that was given to us was stay for three or four months, install a government, and then sometime in August and September 2003 withdraw. Uh, despite the fact that this was pretty much well impossible uh, to say the least, um, and we put this joker Ahmed Chalabi. In charge. Okay, Ahmed Jalabi was like convicted in the in the Jordan um, of bank fraud. This is the kind of person that we put in He char- basically put in charge. He had convinced everybody that he was the man for the job, and that everything in Iraq would go on just fine uh, if we put this idiot in charge. Okay. Um, the State Department had previously had a 13-volume plan called the Future, of, uh, the Future of Iraq Project. It was ignored completely by the Pentagon. Okay. Colonel Lawrence Wilkinson, chief, the Chief of Staff for Secretary of State Colin Powell uh, in the years 2002 through 2005, sta- basically stated huge frustration from himself and Powell because of all their hard work and planning was essentially trashed. All this was done so that Republican puppet, the puppets could be appointed to key positions in Iraq. Basically, uh, Powell had a plan. The plan was totally thrown out the window in favor of, well, nothing. March 19, 2003, we enter Iraq. The people were clearly behind us when we got there, as in they were cheering us in the streets. Uh, They were totally behind us. You know, they were talking about how much they didn't want Saddam, how much they wanted us. They were even praising George Bush in a Muslim country, if you can imagine that. Okay, So when we first got over there, the Iraqi people basically were happy to see us because, after all, Saddam Hussein was a guy whose heroes included uh, none other than Joseph Stalin. Okay, We were loved when we first showed up. The people were behind us. They wanted us to be there. They also made the mistake of assuming that, oh, gasp, we might have a plan. They thought that we might actually know what we were going to do. Well, for example, when we intended to occupy Germany, we took two years to prepare, okay? The people given the task of detailing how we would handle the occupation of Iraq were given two months. The organization that was established was called ORHA, Organization for Reconstruction and Humanitarian Assistance. It reported directly to Donald Rumsfeld. A retired Army General, Jay Garner, was appointed to run ORHA. In the first Gulf War, he commanded troops in charge of humanitarian aid for the Kurds. They only got one Middle East expert, essentially a former ambassador to one of the Middle Eastern countries. She was a nice lady, uh, but, but almost nobody, basically. They were given offices with no computers, and they were given no staff. They were given very little in the way of a budget. They were given nobody who spoke Arabic. They were given nobody who had any kind of experience in the area. Period. None, other than this one lady. And she did her best, but it was pretty obvious from the very beginning. They basically said the consensus from their first meeting was, this is crazy. How are we supposed to accomplish this? They had to put together their meetings. They didn't even have furniture in their offices at the time. They, didn't, they weren't given any computers. They weren't given any resources. Nothing. Okay. Now, as American forces entered Baghdad, looting broke out all over the city. Total lawlessness and chaos, and we basically did nothing. We would basically had our troops sit there and watch as the Iraqi people started tearing apart their own country. We got rid of every um, power they had, essentially, to, um, to basically to govern themselves. We got rid of their government, we got rid of their police force, we got rid of their army, and we left it with nothing. So, essentially, we dismantled the Iraqi army and police force and let chaos rule the streets. There was no martial law declared, even though that's generally what you do when you invade a country. We just let the streets turn into a riot and watched it burn. This went on for over a month. Colin Powell voiced concern the president ignored him. Orha was given instructions from Washington to do nothing. They were told it was not their job to police the streets or to keep order in any fashion. And while all this was going on, hospitals, universities and other important buildings were allowed to be destroyed. The estimated damage just from these riots alone was well over $12 billion. When the media covered it, Rumsfeld claims that the media was blowing it all out of proportion, that this rioting was not going on. He made statements of like, you know, in the media they show you the same picture of the same guy looting the same object over and over again. You know, Henny Penny, the sky is falling. Just, he was making fun of the media for doing their jobs. He was making fun of the media because, the, you know, because that didn't fit in with, as Mike Rebell would put in his book, The Kingmakers, the echo chamber. It didn't go along with the plan. It didn't go along with the story that we were the liberating heroes and that everybody was just going to be so happy to see us. Well, they were happy to see us. And then we let them destroy their country. We let their country tear itself to pieces. And once again, the average citizen still doesn't have electricity and still doesn't have water. So, when the – okay, now let me point out something, okay? Orha had asked for many buildings to be protected, okay, in their initial project. They had asked for many of the buildings to be protected, more of the key issues, museums, things of that nature, you know, basically parts that were critical to the Iraqi culture. The only buildings that were provided any protection by the American military, as per orders – I don't blame the military – essentially, was the oil ministry. The only buildings in Baghdad and Iraq in general that were protected had to do with the oil industry. Nothing else was protected. Okay, Orha had made a list of cultural or uh, historical and religious sites. Their request was ignored. Iraqi National National Museum containing artifacts of over 7,000 years of culture was allowed to be completely looted. Iraq's national library contains thousands or contained thousands of ancient manuscripts. It was looted and burned. Some Iraqi officials who worked for the museum went to the Marines. They were promised security that never came. This includes scholars, archaeologists, various people who were trying to preserve the Iraqi culture, and they were ignored. They got troops to protect the oil ministry, But I'm sorry, we don't have any troops to protect your culture. Now I want you to think very heavily here about who benefits from all this destruction. Why do we benefit in any way from allowing this country to destroy itself? Well, first of all, if it destroys itself, then it's not our fault. We don't have to take immediate responsibility. Despite the fact that when you break something, it's probably your job to fix it if you're, if you're going to break it in the first place, then you need to take responsibility. We didn't. We let the, we let the looting and we let the rioting and we let the basically let self-destruction of Baghdad in particular go on forever. Okay. Now, who benefits from this? Who benefits from them destroying buildings? Who benefits from them burning things down? Well, that would be all the American companies. Okay? And I'm going to get back into this later, but American construction companies... That were underbid, as in the Iraqi companies have offered a fraction of the money to rebuild Iraq. That you know, this is a company or basically this is a country. We have destroyed their economy. We have created massive unemployment. The people of Iraq are willing to rebuild their buildings. The you know, contractors of Iraq, people, you know, construction workers, architects, and such of Iraq are willing to rebuild their own country for a fraction of the cost that we pay these other companies to go in there and do for us, essentially for them, in theory. Okay? I'll get to the numbers on that a little bit later. I just want you to consider for a moment, why would we let them loot and destroy their own country like that? Well, that's because who, of course, gets a paid to fix it. Well, that would be us, not really you and me, but the rich fat cats who are going to make a mint off of what happens in Iraq. Now, the proper forces for an occupation were never given, okay? The army recommended over 700,000 troops. They were denied those troops. Colin Powell asked for more troops. Runsfeld sent a mere 160,000 out of the 700,000 that were requested, okay? Now, this basically means that we never had the troops over there to actually successfully occupy the country, now, all of this aside, of course, I don't want us to be in Iraq, and, I, and I'll get, over, you know, get that out of the way. I think we all know that. The issue is, is that it's not even a question now of whether or not we should have went. It's also a question of now that we're there, why aren't we doing anything to actually succeed? And that's what the real question is. Are we trying to succeed, or are we trying to make this war go on and on and on? As long as there is an insurgency over there assisting and blowing up buildings, then there will still be business for the private corporations that we are paying to rebuild that country. Okay, As long as we don't have enough troops to actually do the job of occupying a, a country full of angry people, justifiably angry, I would say, then, well, lo and behold, the war will be maintained. Just as they said in the movie Zeitgeist, this, movie, this war is not meant to end. It is meant to be maintained. My late mother... Bless her soul, she passed away from cancer last year, I wish she could hear me now, because she told me the exact same thing about Vietnam, because she was alive for that. And she remembered thinking the whole time, well, gee, how many out-of-work people did we just give uniforms? What did we do to the economy by getting rid of all these nice young kids by the hundreds of thousands and taking them out of the workforce? Is that what's going on now? Well, as the economy in America tanks more and more, they don't have to draft us, because I see more and more of my friends go overseas every day, because they have no way to feed their families because they have no jobs. Now, back on track. None of the officials who over, basically overrode, overrided the request for more resources and troops had any experience with occupation or military service. Not Cheney, not Rumsfeld, not Rove. None of those people even knew what they were talking about. Okay, so well, lo and behold, they don't do the job. They can't, do the job, they don't have any knowledge of what's going on over there they are making their rulings they're sending them down the chain of command and trust me, the more I, the more I study this, this, this is not just on the grand scale, this is on the minor scale too I watch the military channel quite a bit and they're finally starting to show reenactments of battles like in Fallujah and various places of Iraq and politics almost always prevents the battles from being run efficiently now At a time when the looting was still going on, Rumsfeld, in fact, canceled more troops, further making it difficult to maintain order. Now, Orha finally gets the go-ahead to go in from Kuwait on April 19th. Now, out of 20 ministry buildings in Iraq, ministry buildings meaning key federal buildings of Iraq for the purpose of running the country, out of 20, 16 were destroyed by the looting. Therefore... They started with nothing. They had nothing to work with to get the government of Iraq started. Nothing. They had no phones. They had only five people that were provided for them who could even speak some Arabic. And I use that term loosely, some Arabic. Okay? When you get over there, you start to realize there are so many dialects of Arabic that even just knowing one or two is not necessarily going to be enough. I know what I said two, most people can't even speak two languages, let alone three or four. Okay? Now, meanwhile, the Iraqis started making war on each other. There was no police to stop the murders or the rapes. Criminals ruled the streets. Now, basically what this amounts to is that since we had no police force in place, inevitably, as always takes place in anarchy, gangs with guns become the police force, whether out of necessity or just out of desire to have more power than the people around you these gangs essentially were supposed to be the only, were basically the only power that these people had to have any form of order at all so now you have gangs who are essentially charged with keeping order okay? and that of course means that all the people who hated each other but weren't in a position to do anything about it before Saddam was ousted started killing one another okay? we did nothing to really effectively stop that either now I want you to think for a moment really hard Okay, because it's very easy for people to think about, like, this as something going on elsewhere. I would take you back to what Congressman Ron Paul said very specifically about the subject of what would you do if somebody did this to your country.
2: Survival Food. SurvivalFoodNow.com. We are living in uncertain times. Unless you've been living under a rock, you understand that, indeed, times are changing. Not only are we hearing about the energy and food crisis, but we're feeling the effects of both. SurvivalFoodNow.com has been established by a group of concerned Americans who care about the future of our families and yours. We at SurvivalFoodNow.com understand there are three basic necessities for our survival. Air, water, and food. We all have air. The majority has water, but only two-tenths of 1% have a food supply. So what are you going to do? There are only two choices. Be prepared or don't be prepared. The security of your family may very well depend on the choice you make. SurvivalFoodNow.com's mission is not to cause fear or panic. Our mission is simply to let our fellow countrymen know they only have two choices. SurvivalFoodNow.com knows being prepared can be a costly proposition, but it is our goal to storeable food supply to all our members. Just $50 a month auto-ship will keep you prepared. SurvivalFoodNow.com. For over 15 years, the Free American has been providing all the news that the controlled media will not allow in print or the airway. This latest big sellout is merely the next move by the banksters and elite globalists to destroy the Constitution and the American people and reduce us back to peons on the global plantation. These same men using the Israeli Mossad have done everything possible to try and destroy Clay Douglas and the Free American. Don't let them succeed. Advertise and subscribe to the Free American at freeamerican.com or call 505-908-9498. Subscribe to the online edition and get a year for only $30 printed issues or $50 for 12 issues. Twenty-five years ago, a man named Clayton Petiton prayed for guidance and asked God what he could do to help mankind. That night, Clayton awoke to a formula written in life on his bedroom wall. He woke his wife, but she saw nothing and told him to go back to sleep. He made her get up and write down what he saw. The next morning, he followed the formula written on his wall, and they found they had made soap. The soap was perfect. No carcinogens, no soap scum, and it cleaned so well, restaurants started using it to clean the grease off their floors and ovens. Yet it was so gentle that his neighbors started using it in their showers. A second product was born called Neutralizer, a clear alkaline energized water. It was the foundation for the soap, but when taken internally, it had so many health benefits it could truly be called miraculous. Six products are now in the M2 line. Soap. Soap with moisturizer, neutralizer, neutralizer gel, moisturizer, and deodorant stone. The products sell for $16 each plus $5 shipping, or you can get all six for $100. Call 505-908-9498 or go to freeamerican.com store and order securely online. Are you suffering from election shell shock? We've got the perfect therapy, the surefire cure. Regain your sanity and restore your equilibrium by reading The Grim Shadow, a modern-day fable. A story packed full of action, suspense, betrayal, terrorism, and a dubious political election. The Grim Shadow is at its core a parable of courage, loyalty, and love. Check out the reviews at thegrimshadow.com. Little book, big story, the ultimate allegory.
1: All right, we're back here on B Radio, and I was just talking about people uh, specifically saying to you, ask yourself how you would feel if this was done to your country in reference to Iraq. So as I was saying, uh, meanwhile, Iraqis started making war on each other. There was no police to stop murder or rape. Criminals ruled the streets. With no government or police, people turned to fundamental Islam. Iraq had been a secular regime with both Christians and Muslims, with nowhere to turn, the people turn to the terrorist factory that is extremist Islam. Now, I want to make a very clear point here. Fundamentalist Islam and extremist Islam are not the same thing as the kind of Islam that you, you know, generally would practice. It's, a, you know, it's an extreme you know, version of the religion. However, when you've got a bunch of angry people, and why are they angry? They're angry because they don't have any water. They're angry because they don't have any electricity. They're angry because they don't have any police force. They're angry because their daughters are being raped, their sons are being murdered, and the people who came there claiming to give them freedom and medical supplies and all that other garbage that Bush put in his speech didn't deliver. So now they're angry. Well, you know what they do? They go and they find some other angry people. Those people just happen to be fundamentalist Islam. And those people, well, they make you a promise that you're going to go to heaven if you die killing the people who did this your country well lo and behold you're probably going to get an awful lot of converts in that situation without anyone to keep order the people turned to the the militias that really were little more than armed gangs Those are those gangs I was talking about a second ago Orha with the support of the military central command worked to try and recall the Iraqi military to restore order But on April 23, 2003, Jay Garner, the man who had been working as hard as he could with as little as he was given, received a phone call from Donald Rumsfeld. Donald Rumsfeld called to tell Garner that the president was appointing Jerry Bremen. Jerry Bremen spoke no Arabic, had no experience with with the Middle East or post-war reconstruction efforts. We'll find this to essentially be a mantra of the various people that have been placed in charge of the reconstruction of Iraq. reconstruct, I, I can't even say that with a straight face, okay? Now, Orha was removed and was replaced by an organization called CPA. Now, this guy, once he took over, made three critical mistakes before he even got to Iraq. The first thing he did was stop the formation of an Iraqi interim government. Even though one had already been started, the people of Iraq had been promised a sovereign government. Bremen wanted everything under his direct control. Now, when we went there, we told them they were going to be in charge. This was their country. I remember very specifically, we are not conquerors. We are liberators. So we liberate these people and essentially install a dictator, a Republican neocon puppet named Bremer. Okay? Now... Essentially, then, you know, we got rid of the, you know, the initial formations of the Iraqi government. That means that there were a bunch of people that we led on to believe that they were actually going to be able to take their country back, and then lo and behold, well, we suddenly changed that decision out of nowhere when we appoint somebody else. All of the work that had been done towards forming an Iraqi government, this is in the first year of the war, I might add, the first year of the occupation, was thrown in the garbage. Does this sound familiar? Doesn't this sound something like Colin Powell's plans that he had been carefully, you know, basically putting together for the purpose of actually having a plan when we went into Iraq being thrown out? So why is it that every time we start to get somewhere, for some reason we need to make sure we go back? The second major mistake that he made was debathification. Now, for those of you who don't know, the Ba'ath Party was essentially Saddam Hussein's party, okay, and it was a party that you either joined or died. It was very similar to the situation in, uh, in Germany if, during World War II. If you wanted to be left alone, then you at least paid lip service to showing some form of support for the Nazi party. And if you didn't, they would show up at your house and they would take everything that belonged to you and you'd probably get yourself killed if you were ever believed to be a threat to Hitler's regime. That's exactly what was going on over there. There are a lot of people who joined the Bath party because they had no choice. They were just trying to survive. They were trying to keep control. They were trying to basically for their families, keep you know money flowing, things of that nature – So basically, we removed anybody who had anything to do with the bath party, including the, for example, the grammar school librarian needed to go. So, you know, the school librarian needed to go because they were in some way involved with the bath party, okay? So what this really did was it put a lot of people out of work and essentially put them in a position of permanent unemployment. They can't be rehired because of the depacification. So as a result, you have a lot of very angry, a lot of very desperate, and now a lot of very unemployed and poor people in a country that we've already destroyed the economy of by doing what we did to it. Lastly, and probably most importantly and most catastrophically stupid as far as what the regime what we did to the regime was we disbanded the entire Iraqi military even though they were willing to police the streets of Iraq for us. Okay, this overnight, this, before this jerk even gets to Iraq, alienated and unemployed half a million armed and trained men, who basically, of course, all immediately became the insurgency. We strung these people along because the, the previous guy in Orha had worked with them under the intention of bringing the Iraqi military back to essentially protect the streets. These people were watching as their country was tearing itself apart. They were coming to us and begging them, begging, well, begging us, I'm sorry, to let them do their jobs and protect their own country. And of course, for months, we told them, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll get you, we really will, we really, really will. And unfortunately, the people who did say that to them actually meant it, because they thought, lo and behold, somebody might think it was a good idea to let the Iraqi people protect the Iraqi people. I guess that wasn't very popular, because after all, that would have made less necessity for American troops to be deployed, and that would have meant that Dick Cheney would have made less money, because he makes a lot of money on all the troops that get over there and get fed and get their clothes washed for $100 for every little laundry. Now, this move placed half a million people into a total state of poverty, half a million armed and angry people. This was done contrary to the military's advisement, I might add. The military was completely behind the idea of reinstating the Iraqi military to protect their own people. Shortly after this, the the real insurgency began. Iraq contained 70 large weapon storage depots and many more completely unguarded ammo dumps. There were not enough troops to secure them. So the angry, I'm sorry, the angry Iraqi soldiers claimed them for the insurgency. Seventy large weapon storage depots and many more completely unaca- unguarded ammo dumps. That's why they have all the RPGs and the explosive devices and the guns and the we- going to shoot at us right now. We didn't do anything about it, even though we were advised that these weapons depots were there. We were told they were there. We were told when they were there. We were, in fact, many reports came in telling us that there were guys with masks and guns taking weapons out of depots. Well, where did you think they were going with them? And how many Americans and other civilians have been killed by those weapons since then? Well, we didn't have the troops to do anything about it. You know why? Because Rumsfeld was sending troops home. If you're going to occupy a country, you need to have enough people to actually do the job. Otherwise, you're going to get more people killed on both sides. Now, immediately casualties mounted as the insurgents essentially started their war on the people they believed had ruined their country and their lives. Any hope of maintaining the support we had was lost. Okay, remember, these are the people that had American flags, were cheering us when we showed up, you know, waving at us, blowing kisses at us. The kids loved us. The adults loved us. We flushed that down the toilet. The White House claimed this force was just a bunch of malcontents from the old regime. They left out what made these people desperate and angry in the first place. Because, of course, that would only make them look bad. We went in saying we were not conquerors, but we were liberators. So who exactly are we liberating right now? Now, people who actually wanted to do something constructive towards rebuilding their country, lined up by the thousands in front of the green zone for those of you who do not know what the green zone is the green zone is a fortress that has no entrances whatsoever from the outside that bremer had erected for the purpose of protecting his sorry butt while he's in iraq it is a totally militarized zone nobody is allowed to go in from iraq to give any kind of complaints okay now lines of thousands of people engineers construction workers various other professionals People just wanting to help stood outside the green zone for over four hours. Then they were eventually told to leave and to never return. We are doing a really good job of winning over some hearts and minds, people. I can tell you this, man. If I wanted to help and I was told to leave and never come back, I would not feel like I was liberated. Now, Let's talk about CPA for a little bit. Almost no one in CPA could even speak the language of the people they occupied. They started firing people in mass who voiced any opinion contrary to the accepted approach. This would also include the former ambassador that I told you about, the nice lady. Yeah, well, they canned her. And the reasons given for canning her were along the lines of voicing an opinion that was not the same as the rest of the people involved. I mean, I'm not even kidding. Those were the exact words. We get rid of her because obviously, well, uh, lo and behold, she might not have had her head up her derriere. She wanted to do what was necessary to make the Iraqi people able to take control of their country. So they got rid of her because that doesn't fit along with our plans. They replaced these people basically with kids fresh out of college. Very young, impressionable kids who I'm sure are very well-meaning, but when somebody like, say, Rumsfeld looks at one of these college kids and says, this is how it is, of course, you're not going to be inclined to say, to argue with Donald Rumsfeld because you're a college kid, fresh out of college, and you've got a job. And, of course, you don't want to argue with anybody who might be your superior. You don't want to present an opposing opinion because you don't want to get fired. And you're probably easy to intimidate because you're new. You just got into this whole stuff. Well, you know what? The problem is, is even the veterans had just gotten into this stuff. And the, the pattern that was laid out was very simple. If you worked for more than two to three months in Iraq and actually started to get some real, actual, like, you know, progress done, actually start to make some bridges to these people that we're supposed to be liberating, that we're occupying, well, that's generally a good way to get yourself sent home. Don't do the job or you won't have the job. Now, the Pentagon showed all kinds of favoritism to American companies to rebuild Iraq, despite multiple offers from Iraqi companies to do this for a fraction of the cost. This is what I was mentioning earlier. For example, Seth Moulton and Ann Gildroy, okay, these were U.S. servicemen who worked closely with the Iraqis to b- build border forts, okay? Their border forts costed $200,000. Parsons was the American company, that was given the task of building border forts. You know how much they charged? $1.2 million for the same installations that Iraqis were building for $200,000, rebuilding their own country for $200,000, but instead we're paying Parsons, an American company, $1.2 million. Congress approved $18 billion for Reconstruction. Over a year after that, only $1 billion of it was spent, leaving thousands of Iraqis with still, over a year later, no water, no heat, no electricity. Okay? In May 2003, the UN sent its best expert on Reconstruction. He was a Brazilian diplomat named Sergio Vieira de Mello. Okay? Now, normally I don't really care for the UN, but I checked this guy out, all right? All of his team spoke Arabic and had experience in the region. All of them spoke Arabic and had experience in the region. And rather than creating for himself a super-fortified fortress that would basically, wouldn't let anybody in or talk to anybody, he worked out, basically worked out of a headquarters that was right in the center of Baghdad where the people could meet with him. He met with Iraqi leaders immediately and daily. Sergio spent hours talking to the people of Iraq about their needs, planning to take all this information to, to Bremer. For two months, Bremer used Sergio to contact some specific portions of the Iraqi people. Then on the third month, he stopped taking or returning phone calls from the United Nations representative, Sergio. Okay? So this Bush appointee stops returning the phone calls to the United Nations. The guy didn't want to hear about the common people who don't have electricity or water or sewage. He didn't want to hear about that. He had specific things that he wanted Sergio to do, and then after that he stopped returning the phone calls of the United Nations. In the first three to four months of the occupation, we played stormtrooper, basically, looking for WMDs in Saddam, storming into people's houses at night, conducting mass arrests, and demoralizing the Iraqi people. Our liberator reputation was quickly being overtaken by a reputation of being worse than Saddam Hussein. Being of military age was sufficient enough reason to be detained. This left families with no providers, no breadwinners, nobody to take care of an already impoverished families. We just started rounding people up who happened to live in the area where insurgency battles took place, and then we would ship these people off to secret prisons, their families would have no idea what happened to them. They'd have no way to contact them, okay? And they may never see them again. And in many cases, if they are of military serving age, then they're probably also the breadwinners and the providers for those families. We took these people away. On August 19, 2003, a massive bomb destroyed the UN headquarters in Baghdad, killing 22 people, including Sergio Vieira de Mello. The only man who was trying to do his job the man who was being ignored by Bremer a Bush appointee he had wealth of information he had all kinds of resources at his command for the purpose of creating peace
0: and actually bringing
1: the people into the process of actually rebuilding their own country now he's dead by 2004, the people had no respect for U.S. forces. Children started throwing rocks at soldiers driving by. Massive protests erupted all over
3: the country. <laughs> From the producer of Beyond Treason comes a new tale of deception and political spin. We're not mining through the personal lives of millions of innocent Americans. What if legislation that was supposed to protect our freedoms actually took them away? What if you could be arrested for asking a question? What if the government could monitor your communications and break into your home?
0: Well they face.
3: Will you resist? Or will you freely surrender your liberties? Welcome to the New American Dream. To the old media?
2: Then welcome to RTR Radio, an integrated radio broadcasting network that brings you truth of what's really going on around you. If you're concerned about where this country is headed, tune in to RTRRadio.com. While other networks wait to see what's going to happen in America, we tell you what's happening in America. Get your daily dose of truth, liberty, and justice right here on RTRRadio.com.
4: Our country is on the brink of destruction. Our civil liberties, our rights, are just about gone. Our only hope now is to rise up with a fury so strong, and take back what's right for the ours. Get the news. And information you need to survive and effectively fight just world order. Listen live to Freedom fighter radio.
2: got something you want to get off your chest or something wonderful you want to shout about to the world well send it to me because i'm rex brocky the host of rants and raves with rex on revolution broadcasting every day at 5 p.m eastern or every weekday at least you can tune in and hear the best and the worst in the news of these very interesting times we live in rants and raves with rex on revolution broadcasting
1: on Radio. Uh, Before the break I was talking about the fact that by 2004 the people had no respect for the U.S. forces. Children were throwing rocks at soldiers driving by. Mass protests erupted all over the country. So, so far we're doing an amazing job of winning over hearts and minds. Now, there are more than 45,000 private military contractors in Iraq. More than any war in U.S. history mercenaries. Okay. Groups like Blackwater. These mercenaries are allowed to shoot people with impunity. I'm not exaggerating, that that's the truth. And and that statement is actually brought from a an Iraqi, the equivalent of an Iraqi congressman essentially. Okay. Many people have seen the YouTube of Blackwater driving down the road shooting at random cars. They made the video themselves because they think it is funny. It is in, Blackwater employees made a video of various random shootings where they're shooting at people's cars while they're driving down the street. It's no wonder on March 31st, 2004, that four of them were ambushed, killed, dragged through the streets of Fallujah by cheering crowds, their burned corpses hung from a bridge. If some jackhole drove down my street, shot at my kid's, in my family and thought it was funny and put it up on YouTube, I'd probably cut him to pieces and burn his body and hang him up on a bridge too. The combined intelligence agencies, including the CIA and the NSA, put together a report. This report made it clear that this insurgency was not just angry people from the former regime, but people from all walks of life with their own grievances. The president dismissed the report without even reading it, claiming it was guesswork. Meanwhile, our troops were not given proper body armor or armored vehicles. The unarmored Humvees were easy prey for the insurgents in IEDs, Improvised improvised Explosive Devices. So not only are we basically totally screwing up the war, we're also not giving any kind of real, like, tools to the people that were sending over there into the meat grinder in the first place now let me play a clip for you of a soldier who is brave enough to come forward and make it, you know, and ask Donald Rumsfeld, you know, what the hell's the deal with us not having proper armor for our
3: despite the intensification of the insurgency there were still not sufficient armored vehicles for american soldiers in iraq
2: we never had a single armored humvee while we were in iraq throughout 2003. we went to iraq in 2004 with unarmored humvees and they were given armor kits in kuwait which were sort of cut out doors with no windows um, and
3: a bulletproof windshield and, and that started it if your humvee hadn't been armored what do you think the damage for that IED would have been
0: I think it would have been daily.
3: Why do we soldiers have to dig through local landfills for pieces of scrap metal and compromise ballistic glass to up-arm our vehicles, and why don't we have those resources readily available to us? It's essentially a matter of physics. It isn't a matter of money. It isn't a matter on the part of the Army of desire. It's a matter of production and and capability of doing it.
1: Okay, so a soldier asks why they don't have proper armor for their Humvees. Donald Rumsfeld says it's a matter of physics, it's not a matter of money. We don't have the capability of giving you proper armored vehicles. Another soldier later on in the documentary points out that we have plants closing down here in the United States. That could very easily be manufacturing armored humvees, very easily. Okay, yet this idiot claims that we can't do it. Okay, think about that for a second. We, you know, one of the things about war that used to go on is that war was in theory good for the economy because we, uh, you know, we would put people to work. What's happening instead is, is that we outsource everything and we make sure that only these big companies generally are the ones who get, in, you know, get any money from manufacturing any of this. Okay? The soldier comes forward, he asks Donald Rumsfeld why they don't have proper armor, and of course Donald Rumsfeld lies, just like he had a tendency to do throughout the entirety of the whole Iraq war issue. He seemed to be the, uh, uh, the poster boy for lies. Now, November 2004, we had an attack on Fallujah, the battle destroyed 70% of the city, leaving over 100,000 people homeless. I'm sorry, 150,000 people homeless. Despite the intense fighting, many of the insurgents that we were trying to get escaped. 40 Marines were killed. Now, I want to point out something about this battle. This battle was completely mismanaged. They were ordered in in order to cease fire, making them targets. And then they basically had to sit there and get shot at during the ceasefire because, of course, the insurgents weren't basically following it. Then they were ordered to resume after giving the time for the insurgents to reorganize and regroup. Meanwhile, with the U.S. concentrating on Fallujah, Shia militants took over southern Iraq, despite claims by Rumsfeld claiming there was no organized force working in Iraq. The administration continued to report that the insurgency was dwindling, even while it grew stronger. Meanwhile, the various militias make war on one another, once again participating in ethnic cleansing Anyone who works with the U.S. is targeted for assassination. The destruction of the economy causes an orgy of crime, including kidnapping, rape, and murder. By late 2006, Baghdad was in a total state of near-anarchy. By 2007, the U.S. had spent $379 billion on the war in Iraq. Future costs are estimated at $389 billion. Veterans' health care and the loss of productivity is $482 billion. With other costs, we are looking at an estimation of $1.8 trillion. And I think that's even a bit on the mild side. Our veterans come home unable to work a normal job. Because, well, basically, that kind of war destroys you as a person. You can't even really associate with people anymore. The amount of post-traumatic stress that you have essentially makes you incapable of doing anything else. So, meanwhile... The rich get richer, the poor get poorer, and the war continues. We screwed up so critically in in various stages. We had these people behind us. If we had actually wanted to do the job, we could have done the job. We didn't want to do the job. We wanted to make money. And anybody who thinks otherwise really needs to look at it very clearly. What the hell would be the reason to disband a military that wants to protect its own people? Well, what is the purpose of that exactly? Why is it better for us to send Americans out there to police them, people that they resent, people that they don't want there? And now we come full circle. And the first full circle ends with them asking us to leave and us refusing to go. Basically, now we have a situation where our current president-elect Obama says that he's willing to get out in his first administration. keeps giving different answers. I would ask the American voter to pay very close attention to the Obama administration and see to it that he actually makes good on his promises. I would also pay really close attention to who you elect for Congress from now on because that is the issue. That's the real issue. Congress is the only people who can really pull us out of this. I really strongly urge you that if you never watch another documentary again, that you watch the documentary, No End in Sight. It was put out by, you know, in 2007, and it really covers everything that I just said. No End in Sight. Google it. Buy it if you, if you want to. Rent it. Pass it around. Make people aware of just how bad and how stupid this situation is. Let's see if in the last few minutes of my show I might be able to fit in a caller. The caller number is 347-945-7747. Once again, the call-in number is 347 347- 945 7747. I'm going to type it in the chat room. 1347 You're going to call in, do it fast because I only got so much time left in the show. I hope you've enjoyed this installment of V-Radio. I spent most of the day actually researching all this data. I hope it's helpful to you. And I hope it really puts you in a position where you can actually look at this war a little bit more directly. It's not just that we're not, you know, it's not just that we're over there. That's only one part of the issue. It's the reason why we're still over there. The reason why we will be over there for 100 years if necessary. and all the other jazz that goes into this that we are lied to about every day and that people are dying for right now. Well, with a lack of interested callers, I'm going to try to play a video in the time that we have left. This video is one of my favorites. It's called, How to Create an Angry American. And I'll move it up here for
2: you. So they have a really delicate balance to walk between keeping us relatively fearful, but not so fearful that we stop what we're doing and really
3: examine how it is that they've been waging there are a lot of people who lie and get away with it, and uh, and that uh, we will in fact find uh, uh, weapons uh, or evidence of weapons programs that are, are conclusive. I
2: don't think we'll discover anything myself.
3: If the true that there were not weapons of mass destruction, you said you knew where they were. I did not know where they are. They're in the area around Tikrit uh, and Baghdad, and and uh, east, west, south, and north. Well, first of all, I, I have a plan. There are a lot of people who lie and get away with it. Talking about lies and your, your allegation that there was bulletproof evidence of ties between Al Qaeda and Iraq. Was that a lie? Intelligence gathered by this and other governments leaves no doubt that the Iraqi regime continues to possess and conceal some of the most lethal weapons ever devised. There are people going to find out? The truth, and the truth will say that this intelligence is good intelligence. No doubt in my mind. I don't know anybody that I can think of who has contended that the Iraqis had nuclear weapons and we believe he has, in fact, reconstituted nuclear weapons. Saddam Hussein is determined to get his hands on a nuclear bomb. We cannot wait for the final proof. He's got him. He's got him. The smoking gun. He's got him. That could come in the form of a Muslim class. Colin Powell. Huh? didn't lie. My colleagues, every statement I make today is backed that by sources, solid sources, these are not assertions. What we're giving you are facts and conclusions based on solid intelligence. He has not developed any significant capability with respect to weapons of mass destruction. He is unable to project conventional power against his neighbors. Or are people going to find out the truth? I have not suggested there's a connection between Iraq and 9-11. You have said in the past that it was, quote, pretty well confirmed. No, I never said that. Okay. I, I never said that, that. is... No, absolutely not. What I said was uh, it's been pretty well confirmed that he did go to Prague and he did work with uh, a senior official of the Iraqi intelligence service. He's AIDS and protects terrorists, including members of Al-Qaeda. Secretly, without fingerprints, he could provide one of his hidden weapons to terrorists or help them develop their own. What did Iraq have to do with what? <laughs> it's to the World Trade Nothing! He said war in Iraq. Weapons of Iraq. has gone to elaborate lengths, spending on the sums, and taking great risks to build and keep weapons of mass destruction. The claim that Iraq was sponsoring terrorists with have attacked us on 9-11. Before September the 11th, many in the world believed that Saddam Hussein could be contained. And that Iraq had purchased nuclear materials from Nigeria. The regime is seeking a nuclear bomb. Now, all three of those out, turned out to be false. Uh, first, uh, Just if I might correct a misperception. I don't think we ever said, at least I know I didn't say, that there was a direct connection between September the 11th and, 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 and Saddam Hussein. Who does the president think he's up and hidden? Uh Of course, it was information that was mistaken. There are a lot of people who lie and get away with it. Those so weapons of mass destruction got to be somewhere.
0: <laughs> nope, no weapons over there. <laughs> Maybe under here. When
3: you have a president
0: like
2: traditional values that far exceed any known plan. Hemp, used for food, clothing, and shelter since time began. Hemp, this God-given food source is controlled by your government, making it not legal to grow for American people and farmers, but legal to import. Our founding fathers grew hemp because they knew of the benefits it offered. The protein powders, seeds, and oil are available through hempusa.org. Recommended daily intake of this food source will allow the body to heal itself from many ailments. Loaded with potassium, magnesium, calcium, essential fatty acids, amino acids, and nutrients not available in other plants. Hemp can be stored for a long shelf life as a life-sustaining food source for you and your family. Could this be the government's best-kept secret? Call today at 908-691-2608 and see what the powder, seeds, and oil can do for you. Learn, help, shop at HempUSA.org. We do not charge for shipping. That's 908-691-2608 or go to HempUSA.org today.
3: The economy is collapsing all around us. Banks are closed. The Federal Reserve continues to pump billions of dollars into the system to try to stop the bleeding. No, who is to blame? The Federal Reserve system. On November 22nd, the end begins. Every Federal Reserve bank, every Federal Reserve office, 38 cities, one end the Fed. Visit endthefed.us and sign up today to get involved. Action groups are forming now at restoretheeconomy.net. Join us in this national grassroots action to end the Federal Reserve System. November 20th, the end begins. Our country is on the brink of destruction.
4: Our civil liberties, our rights, are just about gone. Our only hope now is to rise up with a fury so strong and take back What's right for the Get the news and information you need to survive and effectively fight to the world's order. Listen live to Freedom Fighter Radio.
0: Hey, listen up.
2: Join Revolution Broadcasting and Restore the Republic on Wednesday
3: evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern to Keep America Free with Amanda Moore. Amanda's a conservative talk show host with a libertarian twist. She's mad as hell, and she's not going to take it anymore. And that issue, you. Join Keep America Free.
2: That's Wednesday nights, Friday nights, and Saturday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern. And let freedom ring. Hey, you, I'm talking to you. Thank you, Spirit. Oof. Immediately, magically, overnight, they're covered by the FDIC, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation.